0: Welcome to today's episode of This Is Automation. I am your host, Corey Dallas. Today, we're going to be rolling out a new series of podcasts that are a little bit shorter in duration and cover a narrower scope of topic. So to kick us off with that, we're going to be talking about hypervisor. This is a new topic that's been coming up more and more. So I thought it'd be good to get some information out there for everybody to learn a little bit more about what a hypervisor is, where it comes from, and how it's used. So to kick us off, let's answer the question, what is a hypervisor? A hypervisor ultimately is a virtualization tool. And what that means is that a hypervisor enables you to use one set of hardware to access multiple, what we would call virtual machines. Um, From here on out, I'll just call these operating systems because it's a little bit simpler of a way to think about it. So the use case that we most commonly see would be a hypervisor in which we're running a real-time operating system and a general purpose operating system. So in the automation world, that typically means we're using some sort of industrial PC and using the hypervisor to run a real-time operating system in parallel with a general purpose operating system like Linux or Windows. And we'll talk a little bit more about why you might wanna do that. But first let's talk about what are the different types of hypervisor. Funny enough, they're just named type one and type two. They have a couple other uh, synonyms. So the type one is also called native or bare metal and type two can also be called a hosted hypervisor. So for a type one hypervisor, again, native or bare metal is another name for this type of hypervisor the hypervisor is directly tied to the hardware. So uh, the hypervisor is managing the OS directly without any layer of abstraction with another operating system sitting in between. And that is actually what makes a type 2 hypervisor a type 2 hypervisor. So um, the There is an operating system running directly on the hardware, as you would typically see in a Windows or Linux system like you're used to. And then the hypervisor is actually a process running within that operating system. Um, and then it manages another set of operating systems. So, again, the type one, the hypervisor is running directly on the hardware. So it's the lowest level, most uh, tight control over the hardware Uh, for the hypervisor and then a type two, you have a normal operating system and the hypervisor is just running inside of that conventional operating system. So there's uh, some, some pros and cons to, to each of those. And sometimes depending on the implementation, the, the difference can actually be uh, a little bit muddied. Um, but in a lot of cases in the industrial automation world, we're going to be looking at a type one hypervisor because it gives the very nice pro that The operating systems are abstracted from each other at the lowest hardware level, which means that you can assign uh, different ports to each of the operating system, your real time operating system and your general purpose operating system. And if there is a failure on one or the other side, it's not going to impact the other one. Whereas in a type two situation, if there's a failure in Windows, for example, it could adversely impact the real time operating system that's running in your hypervisor. Another advantage that you're going to come across with a Type 1 hypervisor is that since it is running directly on the hardware, it doesn't have to rely on an underlying operating system to boot up. So the performance is naturally going to be better. The other thing that a type one hypervisor has with respect to performance is that any calls to the CPU or to hardware, um, that's all happening again at the lowest level since the hypervisor's running on the hardware. So those commands and such don't need to get passed through the underlying operating system as they would in a type two hypervisor. So again, these are some of the reasons why a type one tends to be A little bit more favorable for industrial automation applications where timing is important. That being said, there is one distinct advantage for the type two hypervisor. And that is since it is abstracted from the hardware by an operating system, the types of hardware that you can run it on are are naturally greater. So a type one hypervisor has to be designed specifically to run on whatever architecture you're using. Whereas As long as the operating system is supported, you can run on any hardware with a Type 2 hypervisor. Well, if I haven't lost you by now with all of the technical mumbo jumbo, you're probably still wondering, well, great, Type 1, Type 2, hypervisor, virtual machine, what is it all actually used for? Why would I ever want to do this? And that is a great question. So there's a couple different use cases where you might want to use a hypervisor in the industrial automation world. One of those is if you have an application in which you want to use a real-time operating system for the deterministic parts of your system, controlling I.O., controlling servo axes, that kind of stuff. But there's also a part of your system that could benefit from some of the built-in features of Linux or Windows. So using a hypervisor makes it much easier to get some of those uh, conventional benefits out of a general purpose operating system like Linux or Windows without having a separate piece of hardware. So one example I like to talk about is how you manage large amounts of data, Uh, for example, in a database or in the cloud. Since most real-time operating systems don't really provide native support for this type of connection, uh, it's much, much easier to implement that in a general purpose operating system. So to use something like this without hypervisor, you may have to implement something in your real-time operating system and then have some sort of uh, corresponding communications to another piece of hardware to then, uh, you know, run your SQL database, et cetera, et cetera, which requires a lot of time and effort and greatly increases the complexity of your system. So with Hypervisor, you can now install uh, your database directly onto an industrial PC, and that PC could also be running your real-time operating system. So you can have your machine control and your databasing and data collection system all in one and have a very fast, tight connection between them with a really simple architecture. Another use case that you may be looking at is... Again, you wanna run your real-time operating system for controlling the machine, but also maybe you're leveraging a web-based visualization like MapView. So how do you run those all on the same system? Well, Hypervisor is a great solution for that since you know most real-time operating systems don't have built-in browser support like general purpose operating systems do. So again, this is a perfect example of where we can take advantage of something that's built in and native in a general purpose operating system like a web browser, and combine it with the nice features of our real-time operating system when it comes to machine control. So we're really getting the best of both worlds here by being able to use a hypervisor to have both a general purpose operating system or GPOS and a real-time operating system or RTOS. Another use case that you may come across is simply the support of third-party hardware with drivers. So again, when you're looking at a real-time operating system like Automation Runtime, the support for third-party hardware may not stretch as far as you need it to. For example, if you wanted to access a USB printer, the manufacturer of that printer is more than likely not writing drivers to interface with automation runtime. So the likelihood that you can control your printer, print directly from your PLC is pretty low. Um, However, the odds that you can use that same driver in Windows or Linux is pretty high. So again, when we use our hypervisor to combine the real-time operating system with the general purpose operating system in one package, you can control your machine as well as print. And the last thing you may want to do is if you have a task that is either already done in some sort of uh, Linux or Windows environment... Uh, or that may be simpler to implement because of the available libraries, or again, because of the available features in a general purpose operating system, you may want to actually run some tasks inside of that GPOS and communicate quickly to the real-time operating system. Uh, most hypervisors will support either a virtual Ethernet connection between the real-time operating system and the general purpose operating system, and or shared memory. um Shared memory is a very fast way to communicate with the two operating systems. And the virtual ethernet connection is is also a viable way. So, uh, you know, one example that, that we could think of is, let's say we have some sort of machine vision algorithm, uh, that you wanted to run inside your PC that you've been using for, for years. And you wanted to simplify the hardware architecture. So you want to bring in the functionality of your PLC and the, complexity of your uh, you know, Linux-based machine vision algorithm uh, into one component, um, and, and really simplify the communications there. So it's pretty simple, again, with Hypervisor. You can run your machine vision task in the Linux side of things, and then on your real-time operating system side, uh, control the I.O. that may need to be controlled depending on the output of that machine vision algorithm. And have a shared memory between real-time operating system and general-purpose operating system to quickly communicate, hey, this part is good or or whatever that algorithm is is determining and then fire the IO that you need to um, in, in order to do that. Now, you do have to be careful of things like um, the determinism of the Linux side of, of your system and make sure that that task is executing as expected and that there's no other competing resources on the Linux side. Uh, but that's certainly something that is possible uh, for someone who's experienced with Linux to to implement something that is, is going to be reliable in an industrial automation environment. So I hope that makes Hypervisor a little bit more clear. There's a whole lot more to talk about and a lot more complexity behind the Hypervisor, but hopefully that gives you a quick introductory look into what the hypervisor is and where you may want to use it in your application. If you have any questions or comments about this topic or any others, feel free to reach out to me directly on LinkedIn or by email at automationpodcast at gmail.com. If you liked the episode and you want to let us know, please give us some feedback in Apple Podcasts. That means a lot. I do look through those and read them, so definitely appreciate anybody that goes out and leaves some feedback. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast, so that you can get updates as soon as we release our new episodes. On that note, we will be having more of the traditional long-form episodes as well as more of these short episodes, so hopefully there will be a good mix in there for you to get your deep-dive technical discussions as well as some higher-level stuff like this to just get you introduced to topics. As always, we have a great lineup of episodes coming up with awesome topics and even better guests. And in the meantime, make sure you check out the BNR website for more information on hypervisor and other cool topics in automation. You can find BNR at br-automation.com and you can check out the YouTube channel by just going to YouTube and searching BNR Industrial Automation. That's it for this episode of This is Automation and we'll see you next time.